Welcome to the Songwriter Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Joseph Vidala, and we're going to talk about music theory, lyric writing, creative productivity, inspiration, and more. I'm super excited to have you here, so let's dive into the episode. Hello, friend. So, this is day four of our week of lyric writing tools. Uh, If you're joining us as these podcasts are coming out, if you're tracking with us, if you've been with us since the beginning or for the past month or two months or whenever you joined in. And today we are going to talk about symbolism. And symbolism is definitely one of the maybe more obvious uh, of these lyric writing tools, but it's also... Uh, maybe one of, if not the most important. Um, symbolism is is everywhere, right? Like it's 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 present in all kinds of art. Uh, you you could even make the argument that you know a lot, if not most, of of you know art in the sense of like paintings and sculptures, it is in and of itself symbolism because by nature it is a symbol representing something. Now, that's not true for everything, obviously. Sometimes a picture of an apple is really just an apple, or sometimes it's just a picture of George Washington doing whatever he did. Um, but often, you know, there's there's a lot more going on to the picture. And that's basically what symbolism is, is using an image, using a picture, using something other than what you're actually talking about in order to sort of illuminate the subject a little bit more. And one of the beauties of symbolism is really that it sort of opens up the song to interpretation in a way that allows more people to relate to it. So for example, say you're writing this sad song and it's largely symbolic, so it's sort of vague what it's about. But it's clear that it's some sort of loss through the symbolism. Because you don't want to be over-symbolic. Because uh, I, I certainly uh, make fun of would be a nice way of putting it. But I'm, I'm, I, I hate when, in this really hard rock bands sometimes fall into this trap, I think, where they get so enamored with symbolism that they start to just like make random black dark images, you know, like the black sun echoes through the night sky or something where it's like, that doesn't mean anything. Like you're just putting a bunch of imagery that sounds dark and tough together and it doesn't mean anything. And you just want people to be like, it's so deep, man. Like, I hate that. The symbols need to mean something, represent something, even if it's not something direct, it's something that's sort of like just exemplifies how you feel or whatever it, it needs it needs to mean something um so i want to make that clear right away um but but in this example uh you're feeling sorrow and and this exactly what it is that you've lost that has made you sorrowful is vague enough because of the symbolism and really you're talking about the sorrow of losing your dog but the open-ended symbols is what allows the person who just had their fiancé break it off be able to relate to that song. Now, for the most part, 
if a fiance breaks off your engagement versus losing your dog, those are two extremely different things, right? Like if your song was talking about how old Rusty barked at his last squirrel, um, I think that became Southern because that clearly would be a country song. But anyway, if if that's, if that's your lyric, right? No, the the person who just was broken up with isn't thinking, dang, it's like he's talking about my fiance leaving me, right? Like that's not, that's, that's obviously, it's not going to happen, right? Like you can maybe draw that parallel, but it's not, it's, it's, it's generally not going to make that connection. And the beauty of symbolism is that, or one of the beauties of symbolism is how it can leave things vague enough that it allows some some more interpretations, which allows more people to you to take their own life experiences and sort of be informed on the lyrics via their own experiences. And then the, the lots of people with different uh, experiences and different ways. Uh, to relate to the song, we'll all be able to relate to the song, rather than you know your song about your 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 dog dying, right? Like only people who have had a dog die will relate to that, right? All the cat people of the world are going to be like, yeah, okay, and all the people who don't even like pets, which by the way, those people are monsters. I don't really care if you're a dog person or a cat person because I've learned to like both. Um, but, but those people that just like, don't like pets in general, like what, even if you don't want a pet cause you don't want to take care of them. Like if you like just genuinely dislike like cats, I understand at least I used to dislike cats, but dogs really like you see a cute little beagle come up to you, wagging his tail, his ears up, just waiting for you to pet him. How do you dislike that? How is that a thing? Anyway, tangent, but you know, there's, there's obviously symbolism in just just everything. So there, and and we've we've looked at some movies uh, with these other with these lyric writing tools podcasts, and we'll just run through a couple here <clears throat> um, to keep the theme going, where we sort of relate to a movie that most people can um, remember or whatever. So first is Frozen. Most overrated Disney movie ever. Kidding, sort of. Um, So Elsa's gloves sort of represent her freedom and her choice to be herself. So when she's singing Let It Go and she's finally like, no, you know what? I'm I'm going to be me. I'm going to use my powers. I'm going to accept myself for who I am. All that stuff is when she finally takes off the gloves. Because the gloves are sort of the way she's kept her powers at bay and the way others have sort of kept her powers at bay. Uh, Scar from The Lion King. Uh, first of all, he has a dark, greasy mane that just sort of looks bad, right? Like, usually in a movie, if somebody's wearing a white cloak and somebody's wearing, you know, a, a black robe, who do you think's the bad guy? <laughs> Most of the time, right? Like, Sith Lords don't wear white. Um, just because that's sort of a common association. So that's a part of it. And then more subtle and also more interesting is that Scar is the only lion in the Lion King who always has his claws out. So if you notice all the other lions, like they might take their claws out for a specific, you know, thing if they're fighting or whatever, but 
for the most part, they just have their claws in. Scar always has his front claws out. They're just always out, uh, which really is, is symbolic of, of, of who he is as, I'd say, a person, but, you know, a lion. And then, you know, we have the more obvious things, right? Like Aslan from... Uh, from Lion Witch and the Wardrobe and the whole the whole Chronicles of Narnia series, most obvious Jesus figure in the history of ever, right? <laughs> like, um, just o- overtly, which in C.S.S. Lewis, C.S.S. Lewis's defense, C.S. Lewis's, geez, that took a way too much way too much to to be able to get there. In his defense, he is a fantastic writer, and those books just happen to be. Uh, kids' books, so he had to make it a little more overt and obvious. Although the, I still think he pushes it a little a little far with like, all right, dude, we get it, we get it, we get it. Um, but lastly, we have to do a Star Wars example because it is in the bylaws of songwriter theory that if I'm going to bring up movie analogies, Star Wars must be included. Um, not true, but I love it so. Um, one I learned recently and watched the scene and it blew my mind, um, is Luke is dressed in all black for basically the entirety of, um, Return of the Jedi, episode six, sort of representing how he's, cause he's kind of darker in that movie, right? And sort of the whole time there's a little bit of, of fear that he might fall to the, the dark side. And that's that's sort of what that's meant to represent is his sort of darker turn. Uh, you know, he comes close to falling to the dark side, but when he's being electrocuted by the emperor after saying no, that he would not kill his father, he would not turn to the dark side. He's a Jedi, like his father before him. Um, his jacket sort of comes undone a little bit at the top, and there it's in a pure white on the inside uh so representing like no he was he's he's good the whole time he was he was jedi the whole time um so all of those are sort of different examples of symbolism and obviously it's also super common in songs so we have an example uh breaking benjamin's dance with the devil is a pretty good example it uses uh, symbolism to tell a story that is about uh, trying to help someone resist committing suicide, which is uh, really dark. But uh, the chorus goes, say goodbye as we dance with the devil tonight. Don't you dare look at him in the eye as we dance with the devil tonight. Very simple, right? Um, and the devil in this case is representing death and then dancing is sort of the, you know, the the, the, his seduction towards one ending their own life. Um, but the beauty of this, right, is is that it gives you that sort of beautifully haunting image, dance with the devil. Like, that's just, just it's a fascinating image. You know, I could spend like an hour thinking about all the different little uh, nuances of that concept, dance with the devil, and don't you dare look at him in the eye. Like, so in very few words, it's given a powerful image and, you know, not to mention, it's a much more eloquent way to say, resist the, your temptation to end your life, right? Like, that's, that's not the most uh, revolutionary thing in the world, right? That's, that would be boring. 
but dance with the devil is interesting. Or another example from my favorite band ever, Vertical Horizon, uh, Save Me For Myself. And this is doing something that is fairly common and I personally love doing, which is sometimes to use heavy use of symbolism in the verses, but the chorus is a little more um, just not symbolic. It's, it's, it's much more obvious what it's about. Um, and then you sort of use the more symbolic verses to really flesh out that main theme that you have in the chorus. So the song is called Save Me From Myself. And the chorus goes, Save me from myself, I can't relate. We're mouth to mouth and still I suffocate. There's nothing left inside for me to break. Save me from myself. So basically, right, he's self-destructive. Despite all that others do to try to help help him, right? Because we're mouth to mouth and still I suffocate. So people are trying to help, but it doesn't do anything. And then there's nothing left inside for me to break. Save me from myself. So if there's nothing left inside for you to break, that implies sort of a rock bottom. So really, this is pretty clear. Right? Save me from myself, I can't relate. We're mouth to mouth and still I suffocate. Now, the mouth to mouth is I would like to say obviously, not literal, right? He's not on the ground dying. Uh that is a metaphor in that case. Or symbolic. Um, but it's pretty clear what this is saying, right? And there's nothing left inside for me to break, save me from myself. So it's it's pretty clear the self destructiveness, sort of that rock bottom thing. And he's ask, he's asking for someone to save him from himself. Pretty obvious. Now, the verses, though, do a great job of fleshing this out using imagery that is uh, comparatively quite vague. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to first uh, just read the verse lyrics, so I'll skip the chorus lyrics because it doesn't really matter in this case, and I just read them to you. Um, to sort of get that symbolic story that we have going on. And to me, there's sort of two different arcs going on that I can see. Um, I'm not going to pretend like I know everything that's going on in this lyric. Uh, it's vague enough that, you know, I, I could spend an hour and a half or more diving into every line of this lyric and what I think it means and where I think it connects. Um, but... I don't want to be disingenuous. It always ticks me off when like you go to those websites and they tell you exactly what a song means when they have no clue. And my favorite is when like the artist himself has told you what a song means. And that person who said, Oh, it obviously means this is totally wrong. A great example of that is basically everybody about Nirvana when he himself said, I don't know why people try to put meaning into these songs. Like it's just random poetry I put together and people in like defense of Nirvana will be like, no, it has a deeper, like, no, no, literally the artist who created it said it didn't. So like, stop, stop making it into a thing that's not there. It's like literature class in high school where like every single sentence is this deeper meaning symbolic thing. Like, and as cool as that is, as a lover of symbolism, like, you know, that 90% of that's made up, right? Like most of the time authors aren't going that deep into symbolism and all these meanings and stuff like that. But, and that's not a diss on Nirvana. It's just a a diss on like, he was very transparent about that, but 
you know, the fans just make up stuff sometimes. So I don't want to be disingenuous is basically what I'm saying here. Um, I'm going to give my opinions on some of these things, but I'm not going to pretend like I have all the answers or I know what it's about. Um, but first we'll just go through the lyrics. The clouds are rolling in. Who will watch them? The waves are strong. The boat is gone. I hope they're swimming. All right, so what do we have here? The clouds are rolling in. Who will watch them? So storms coming in. Uh, who's paying attention? Would be the boring version of that. That's a little more clear, I would say. The waves are strong. The boat is gone. I hope they're swimming. Um, so the waves are strong. The boat is gone. I hope they're swimming. Uh, to me, implies so he's so he's looking out on the ocean. There was a boat there. It's now not there. And he hopes that the people in the boat survived. I, you know, I hope they're swimming because uh, the boat's not there. So the boat is implied to have sunk. Um, so I hope they're swimming. Little boy lost in the woods. Where's the clearing? The town is out. They're calling loud, but he's not hearing. Little boy lost in the woods. Where's, you know, the clearing to be able to find his way? Uh, the town, the townspeople are out. They're looking for him, um, but he can't hear them. Pretty straightforward, right? Now, we have these stories, right? So, so we already have these two arcs that are given to us, but we don't necessarily know what they mean. Um, you know, the part that's semi-obvious, and if you listen in interviews or stuff like that, or, or are like me and have been to shows and have heard the stories behind the songs to some extent, um you know that these are basically symbols of what's going on inside him, right? Like the conflict within, these are sort of symbolic of that. Now what exactly they are, right? Like the choice of a little boy and sailors who may or may not have drowned. Um, The choosing of that, I don't really pretend to know. I find it compelling. I find it interesting. Thinking of, you know, a grown man as, as, as a little boy lost in the woods is a very interesting image to me, as is the, the sailors who may or may not have drowned. Um, but again, I'm not going to pretend to know exactly what that is. But, but we're starting to see the story that's going on here. And this second verse is, is the part that I definitely um, understand the least as it fits in with the rest of things. But here it is. Uh, the bullet in the yard slowly rusting. The bottles crack. The kids come back, and I'm just looking. Um, so several things on this. I'm not entirely sure on a lot of this. So the bullet in the yard, I assume, is some sort of symbol on his self-destructiveness, or something bad in his past, or something like that. But I don't really know. Uh, slowly rusting. Does that connect to the fact that it's storming? So it's raining. So that's why it's rusting. The bottles crack, you know, the kids come back and I'm just looking uh, as the kids coming back, a reference like the, 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 the boy who's lost in the woods. Was he playing with these kids? Are these the kids he was with before? I don't know. And then the rest of the verse, the wine is on the floor, the candles flicker, your eyes fall and I'm appalled. It's all just cinder. Another just fantastic image. And again, vague to the point is like, I definitely, depending on, because the first time I heard this song was when it came out, uh, which is, I don't know, eight years ago now or something like that. And depending on the time of life, when I hear this song, I, I insert different meanings into these symbols because of, of where I am at in life. 
and I sort of can relate to them from all different angles, which is the beauty of this, because this means something very specific to him, I'm sure, who wrote it. But you and I are going to have different interpretations, and not just different from him, but different from each other, probably. So, final verse, the sailors never left. They knew the weather. When they were found, they were having drinks together. So sailors didn't drown. They had never left because they knew the storm was coming, and when they were found, they were having drinks together. They found the little boy in the grocery. Why the grocery? No idea. That's one of the few things that I have no idea that I always wonder, why the grocery? It seems oddly specific and like an odd choice. I don't really know what that means. Um, so they found the little boy in the grocery, happy endings all around, and still they haunt me. Goes back to the chorus, because that's the final verse. Um, so again, I'm not going to pretend to that I have all the answers of what all that means. But you have so many images now to work with, and two, at least two, uh, symbolic story arcs, right? We have the little boy who's lost and then found in the end and sailors who might, might've been lost at sea, might've died at sea, uh, but didn't. And again, that middle verse, you know, it could be connected to the other ones, could be a separate story. I'm not entirely sure. Um, but regardless, you and I listening to that or reading that are going to get different meanings from that. And it just opens it up to interpretation, which is part of the beauty of symbolism. And the other thing is being alive on the planet. I'm sure you've heard the phrase, a picture says a thousand words about a half billion times. And symbolism really is simply using words to create a picture that says a thousand words, right? You can't have a picture in your writing Literally, right? Like, if you listen to a song, if the artist was holding up a picture, you wouldn't hear it, right? Like, sounds stupid and sounds obvious, but like, right? Symbolism is what gives you that. It allows you to paint a picture with your words that then can say a thousand words. So you might be able to paint a picture with 10 words that then says a thousand words. And the beauty of that is it, it allows you this incredible meaning per word rate in your song, which sounds super, you know, sciencey and overly mathy or whatever. Um, but in theory, right, like the more meaning you can pack into a song, because more or less you only have four minutes, right? You have four minutes. So the more you can pack into that, the better, because especially... Like this song, for example, Save Me From Myself. Almost every time I hear it, I, I, I get a different nuance every time. Every time a certain line might strike me in a way that it, quite, it never quite struck me before. And I'll find it re-compelling. Whereas songs that are very obvious from the forefront, you know, even if they just ring so true and I relate to them so much... Um, at some point, it feels the same, whereas there's so many pictures we're given in this song. I mean, picture upon picture upon picture that I feel like I'll never really sift through the whole thing. And not in an overwhelming bad way, but in a good way. And I think that is the ultimate power of symbolism, is it gives you that power... 
that you can use few words still, which you're all but forced to in a four minute ish song or even a 10 minute song, right? Like there's only so many words you can fit, but if you can get your five words, if you can get your 10 words, if you can get your 12 word phrases to each paint a picture that says a thousand words, or even, even if you just have one main compelling symbol, one main painting that you give the listener, your average song is probably, I don't know, 50, a hundred words, I don't know, 150 words maybe. But if you can get a thousand out of one image, you, you've already, you've already, you've already added just, you know, 10 times the entire song's content with the one image. And, you know, obviously the thousand, the picture says a thousand words thing is, is an expression, right? But, but it, it largely rings true where, you know, a, a picture just, just has layers and levels of meaning and levels of discovery that words don't give you. And that's the ultimate power of symbolism is that ability to use your words to create a picture that says a thousand words. Thanks for listening to the songwriter theory podcast. Be sure to subscribe and tell a friend. If you want to jumpstart your songwriting, be sure to download my free guide on 10 proven ways to start writing a song at songwritertheory.com slash free guide. Whether you're brand new to songwriting or a seasoned vet, this guide will help you to avoid staring at a blank page wondering where to start. Even if you just want to figure out some different ways to start writing a song, this free guide is for you.